Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Videobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 864. Right now, you're probably asking yourself who's topping the Australian music charts these days Adele, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift. Well, uh, actually, yes, those uh, folks are topping the Australian charts, but a most unexpected challenger has emerged by way of an album called Songs of Disappearance, on which all the singers are birds. 53 of Australians, or Australia's, most endangered birds, to be specific, including honey eaters, bower birds, cockatoos, numerous seabirds, one of the last remaining night parrots, and many, many others presented to show what, what has been lost and what will be lost again or further unless swift action is taken to save them. By the way, the album has surpassed some of other big stars, including Justin Bieber and The Weeknd, as well as Christmas albums, by Michael Bublé and Mariah Carey. And it actually did edge out Taylor Swift temporarily to make it into the top three. Pretty amazing. Songs of Disappearance. The album was released alongside a book called The Action Plan for Australian Birds, and its profits benefit BirdLife Australia, the largest conservation organization in Australia. Pretty amazing to listen to and easy to find online, by the way. Certainly worth buying in support of an important uh, cause. Again, it's Songs of Disappearance. All right, we have another thing from Australia this morning in the form of an audio postcard from our Freya McGregor featuring her latest Aussie avian observation of a bird happily not on the endangered list. Hey everyone, it's Freya McGregor here. I am on a block of bush, uh, a property uh, in Western Victoria, which is the state that Melbourne's in, in southeastern Australia. It's beautiful morning, the sun's just coming up, and there are birds everywhere. That song is a willy wagtail. They're a small black and black and white bird and they have a long tail they swish then they fly out from their perches to catch flies and bugs but there are loads of other birds out here this morning there's fuscus honey eaters there's crimson rosellas there's brown tree creepers there goes a black-faced cuckoo shrike over my head which ironically is neither a cuckoo nor a shrike uh, <laughs> Uh, I just saw a yellow-tailed black cockatoo fly past. It's fantastic. Ah, magic. I'm going to go and see what other birds I can find. Bye. 
Thanks for uh, that report, Freya, from that patch of woods or block of bush in Victoria, Australia. Meanwhile, back in the States... Yeah, you uh, never know what amazing bird sightings await in the most unlikely places department. We heard from our friend and Talking Birds ambassador Joy Klump in the Woodlands, Texas, that a Stellar's sea eagle, which is believed to breed only in far eastern Russia and the surrounding islands in the Bering Sea, was spotted last week in South Texas. But wait, there's more. A Stellar's sea eagle has also been spotted here in our Talking Birds home state of Massachusetts just this week. And that follows sightings from another sea eagle, more likely the same one, in Nova Scotia, eastern Canada, last month. Some have speculated that this bird may have escaped from a zoo somewhere. And in fact, we learned that a Stellar's sea eagle did escape from an aviary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in September. However, that bird apparently was recaptured shortly after its escape. So the excitement continues. If you spot this bird, by the way, it shouldn't be very hard to identify. It's the second largest eagle in the world with a wingspan of nearly eight and a half feet, a correspondingly huge yellow bill, one or big white patches on the leading edges of the wings and a white wedge-shaped tail, And it sounds something like this. Quite an amazing, spectacular bird, the Stellar's Sea Eagle. Well, that's one very large bird, and here's another one. Pretty big bird here. This is our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. Our mystery bird is a large water bird. In fact, it's one of the largest birds in North America. It has white plumage, a long orange fish scooping bill, short orange legs, webbed feet, long broad wings, and a short tail. Our bird breeds from North West Canada, down into Northern California, Utah, and Colorado, and along the Gulf Coast, spending winters in the southern U.S. and down through Panama. Some clues there. And a beautiful flock of prizes, including the Droll Yankees' new generation metal finch sock. This one has a beautiful yellow top and base, and it offers the attraction of a cinch sock with the durability of metal and is a design that has been proven to attract double the number of birds that you'd otherwise get from an ordinary finch sock. It can be hung or pole-mounted. We also have a 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee, our favorite coffee around here. And one more beautiful calendar to wrap up the old and bring in the new. It's a Nature Conservancy compact calendar It also includes a place for notes, names, and addresses, along with beautiful photos to ease you through 2022. And if we have time for our Mystery Bird Contest, we'll have a gift certificate for Wisdom Supply, makers of those wonderful plastic-free books and notepads and journals and other supplies like that for classroom and office. Prizes and stuff like that and the clues of, of our Mystery Bird Contest coming along 
uh, in just a little bit later uh, on this morning's show. And now some more news about an exciting virtual bird festival coming soon. Did you hear who's going to be at the For the Love of Birds Festival this year? Folks like Amy Wallace, a bona fide falconer from Scotland who will teach you her tricks for interpreting raptor behavior. Or George Buman, Yellowstone's animal language expert who will tell you how to feel the approach of a peregrine falcon before you ever see it. Along with many more of the coolest and most innovative experts in the bird-loving world today. Head on over to ForTheLoveOfBirdsFestival.com to get your ticket for this amazing virtual event taking place January 26th through the 28th. Admission is only $12. That's ForTheLoveOfBirdsFestival.com. Thank you, Christy. Still to come on our show today, our last of 2021, we'll revisit one of our favorite interviews of the year with Dr. Richard Holland from Bangor University in Wales, United Kingdom about some fascinating research on birds' use of the Earth's magnetic fields in migration navigation. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Let's Ask Mike live about New Year's resolutions about birds and birding. And up next, a bird whose very name evokes the season we've just entered is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend is very small, but very loud, with a voice that, pound for pound, is ten times more powerful than that of a crowing rooster. It's one of the few birds with a season in its name, this season. It's a mostly dark brown bird with a short tail that's often cocked upward and a thin pointed bill. Call him Troglodyte Mignon in French, Chiverin Chochin in Spanish. His scientific name is Troglodytes hirnalis, but we know him best as the Winter Wren. Outside the Winter Wren sings his song again in a voice as pure the winter wren breeds primarily in coniferous forests from British Columbia east to the Atlantic coast, migrating through and wintering across southeastern Canada and the eastern half of the U.S. Its habit of disappearing into crevices while hunting for insects or to roost explains its scientific genus name, which translates to cave dweller, while its species epithet name means simply wintry. Troglodytes hyernalis, the winter wren, today's talking birds, featured feathered friend. And welcome again to our show number 864. Dr. Richard Holland is Director of Research in the School of Natural Sciences and Professor in Animal Behavior at Bangor University in Gwynedd, Wales, United Kingdom. He joins us now via Zoom to tell us about his international team's new research that has expanded our understanding of how migrating birds use the Earth's magnetic fields to find their way. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. You are Glad most welcome. Here today. Well, we're so glad to have you here. We know about birds using magnetic fields as pathways in migration, but if I understand correctly, your new research 
explains how they use those fields to get back on track if they're blown off course by something like a, a big storm. Is that kind of the gist of it? Yes, that's right. So we've known for a long time since the 1960s that birds could sense the magnetic field and use it as a compass mm -hmm. so to tell them which direction to go so and obviously we've developed te technological ways to do the same thing obviously we have magnetic compasses in all sorts of devices mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, on its own a compass is only of so much use so if you know where you're starting and you know where you're heading, then a compass can tell you the direction you need to fly. But if if you get knocked off course, as 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 you pointed out, could be the case with birds during migration. If you keep heading in that same compass direction, then you're not going to end up in the right place because you now need to be able to adjust your compass heading. So we've long known from a lot of experiments that have been done that birds, that uh, migratory birds don't just have a compass, they also have something that we think is akin to a map and mm -hmm. um, to tell them where they are um, and that they can consult this map when, when they've been displaced a long way from from their normal path and, and that map allows them to adjust their course and return back. But it's only, interestingly, it's only adult birds that can do this. Hmm. So birds, so small songbirds that make their first migration don't have that map. If you oh. displace them, they keep heading in that direction. They only have the compass component. And that first journey that they make seems to give them the experience to interpret some cues um, that have been controversial for quite a while that tell them where they are and so what what our, what our new research is is revealing and it's the latest in the line of experiments is that it seems like the earth's magnetic field the different what we might call components parameters of the magnetic field um which vary in a way that's in some ways quite similar to our cartesian coordinate system so the strength of the magnetic field gets higher as you approach the poles so that varies on a, a north to south um sort of uh, direction and interestingly something else that we've also looked at which is the what we call the declination of the magnetic field so the difference between the magnetic north pole which isn't directly underneath the geographic top of the earth so so the, the magnetic field direction the direction to magnetic north varies approximately with with your east-west position longitude so so we think in principle birds could use this as a way to to locate their position but um evidence for it had been quite scarce until maybe about five years ago when when our team uh, first my colleagues from russia and germany and then then my team came on board as well started to show that you could actually detect the you could actually give birds magnetic fields that corresponded to different locations on the earth and they would respond as if they'd been displaced there and change their direction to, as if they were trying to get back to their normal migratory path wow pretty amazing i'm looking at a photo of the coil system that you used in this uh uh research here and and it's uh it's quite amazing. The birds, it's, it's to see how open it is. So the birds can see the sky. They can see all the surrounding areas. They can smell, uh, even see the stars. 
but yeah. you've shown they were really most powerfully affected by the magnetic field. Yes, it's. I mean, it's really actually quite remarkable and quite surprising that they're fooled by this. So what we do is we test them in in, in a little round arena that we call an Emlin funnel, actually, after mm -hmm. the American scientist Stephen, em Stephen Emlin, who he was one of the, the people who discovered birds could use the stars as well as the magnetic field as a compass. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that if you put a migratory bird in these little funnels at, uh, during the migratory period, they would hop around in the funnel and it's got sloping sides so they'd try and get out but then fall back down into the middle and they would actually generally tend to hop in the direction they were trying to migrate and it matched up very well with with the banding recoveries um, that, that we could see so it really did seem to be their real migratory direction that they were trying to show so so this is really useful for what we're trying to do because changing the magnetic field is quite challenging to do precisely and we need as you described in the picture i gave you we've got this thing device called a helmholtz quill which is essentially just a series of wires wrapped around and you run electricity through it and that can change the magnetic field within them and and by doing that we were able to put the birds in the emlin funnels change the magnetic field so that it looked like a different place on the earth mm -hmm. And then the birds respond as if they've been displaced to that different place and their, their orientation in the funnel changes. So we call it a virtual displacement. Um, they, they don't leave the place we captured them in. They're actually on their normal migratory route. They're sitting in this Emlin funnel. And as you say, they can, they can smell the same smells. They can see the same stars. They can potentially, I mean, the, the funnels do restrict vision to some extent, um, but everything else is telling them that they're still where they were captured on their normal migratory route and yet they seem to adjust their behavior as if they've been displaced to a place that they've never been to mm -hmm. i wish we had more time but i do uh, want to ask you if you can give us a, a pretty quick answer what are some of the still unanswered questions after this research well there are always more questions than answers of course <laughs> <laughs> still a, still what's what we don't have for certain is a location for the magnetic sense. We, we have now very strong evidence that birds and many other animals can sense and respond to the magnetic field and change their behavior, but we still don't really know where the magnetic sense is located. It's, the, it's a sense without a receptor at the moment. And was thought to be, in, some, some uh, thought was that it was in the bird's beaks, but that's maybe not, not the yeah, not so um, so there was, there was a series of electron microscopy studies that seemed to suggest this nice, neat, regular structure of essentially little compass needles in the bird's beak, so little magnetic particles called magnetites. Mm -hmm. But then somebody else came along and took a closer look, and it turned out they would just actually waste iron in in cells called macrophages, which is sort of like the, the body's sort of waste product cleaner cells they they and iron is a waste product that we produce as well so so now we're not so certain about that we we still think that the beak is possibly a likely location because there's a nerve called the trigeminal nerve which is in humans if you touch your nose that's your trigeminal nerve in action in birds it's in the beak mm -hmm. and if if the trigeminal nerve is anesthetized or blocked then birds don't seem to be able to sense the magnetic field anymore mm -hmm. So it could still be in the beak, but also interestingly, there's a 
potentially competing, but also possibly complementary idea that it could be in the eyes that that reactions with a, with a molecule, a photoreceptive molecule called cryptochrome, mm-hmm. which is not involved in vision, it's actually involved in our daily rhythms, so sensing light for daily rhythms is another possible idea that the so, magnetic field reacts to the, the cryptochrome molecules and, and that is a, another potential way they see, see the magnetic field. Fascinating stuff. Dr. Richard Holland is Director of Research in the School of Natural Sciences and Professor in Animal Behavior at Bangor University in Gwynedd, Wales, UK. Richard, thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations on your wonderful work. We'll be following you and hope to have you back on again. Okay, thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. Coming up next here, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. All right, where were we? I think we're going back to the mystery bird contest. Yes, why don't we have the bird uh, sound off here instead? Yeah, that sounds great. That's a nice sounding bird, all right. But it's a beautiful bird, one of those birds that really looks a lot better than it sounds. It's a large water bird, one of the largest birds in North America. With white plumage, a long orange fish scooping bill, short orange legs, webbed feet, long broad wings, and a short tail. Our bird breeds from northwest Canada down into northern California, Utah, and Colorado, and along the Gulf Coast, spending winters in the southern U.S. and down through Panama. So that would be our bird. Uh, Tell us what it is and win our mystery bird contest, or take a guess and maybe win anyhow if nobody gets the exact answer. Prizes await, including that 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly Shade-grown birds and beans coffee. It's really delicious, and it really does help save birds wintering in the tropics. We have a beautiful calendar. One more to wrap up the year. A compact Nature Conservancy calendar that also includes a place for notes and names and addresses and beautiful bird photos. And the Droll Yankees' new generation metal finch sock. A wonderful feeder can be hung or pole-mounted All of those prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest and maybe that Wisdom Supply Certificate, too, if we get to a bonus question. The number is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900 on our Mystery Bird Contest. Next, it's Mike O'Connor. Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, 
fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. I'm Maddie Bozen from Brooklyn, New York. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because I was already telling all of my friends about the show. I would encourage anybody who is considering becoming a Talking Birds ambassador to just go for it. It's a fun way to connect with your friends, neighbors, and fellow birders. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkingBirds.com. Join today and thanks. To the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, we go. And Mike O'Connor is there wrapping up the new year with some New Year's resolutions. Good morning, Mike. Hey, well, good morning, Ray. Did you have a groovy Christmas? Oh, groovy is the, that, that's the word I was looking for, as a matter of fact. Yes, very, uh, very. To get, to get that uh, Stellan's Eagle uh, bird feeder I sent you. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten it yet, which is too bad because they have the stellar sea eagle in the in the backyard uh, right now. As a matter of fact, visiting. Yeah. So yeah, so get that up, get to, get that to hey, me. I'll get you. Don't worry. As it's soon up. as you can. Yeah, we you have a weird. Backyard. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you you get a New Year's resolution to get a new phone, I think, uh, Mike. As soon as we get into the new year, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. We're running <laughs> out of time, but we can't talk about that. Yeah. Right now. Okay. So what do you say? So I for... got a couple of things yeah. to, to talk about for uh, resolution. And I think the first thing people should do, and I'm not a big lister. I don't keep much of a list, but a yard list would be nice. I find a lot of my customers come in. They talk about the birds in their yards all the time, and I ask them what kind of birds they get, and they don't. They just kind of shrug their shoulders. They say things like, well, I like the usual birds. But I think you would get more of appreciation of what comes to your yard if you just jotted down what they come in. Instead of saying, oh, there's a bird, you'd actually put the binoculars on it. Maybe you would see that winter wren that you talked about mm-hmm. earlier in the show, or, or maybe the Carolina wren. But you'd actually focus more if you wanted if you try to, not really to be competitive, but just to get out there and pay attention to what you have, maybe extend the list a little bit, you'd actually look at the birds. So maybe this might be a time to do a, a yard list. You don't have to get crazy like the bird is have a year list, a county list, a, a car list, a you know, jogging list, just, just something for the backyard to help you learn your birds a little bit better. Also, that is January. This is a good time for most of your listening areas to... Uh, Clean out your bird feeders, if you, <laughs> your bird houses, if you forgot to do that towards the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people wait too long, and now it's April, and the birds are in there, and they don't know if they should clean out their bird houses. So now most bird houses are empty, so it's a good time to clean them out. That's a good thing to put on your New Year's resolution. Clean out the bird houses, make a list, and and maybe the last one is to pick a new bird to see each year. Final new bird. The last thing I want to say is uh, maybe the best thing we should do is spend less time listening to David Clapp. We don't need to be listening to him. Oh, oh, yeah, less less time listening to David Clapp or more? I didn't, I didn't quite get that. Less. <laughs> uh, oh, less. Okay, just wanted to clarify. Okay, you heard it, David. Mike, thanks so Happy. much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye-bye. We're back to the mystery bird contest here, trying to identify this mystery bird in the short bit of time that we have left on this morning's show. We have Caroline somewhere in the great state of Iowa, the Hawkeye State there. Good morning, Caroline. Hi, Ray. Hi, Caroline. Good morning, Ray. (laughs) Good morning. Do we have more than one person on the line here? No. 
No, okay. No, I, no, I have three dogs sitting here, but oh, the they're do- quiet at the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whereabouts in uh, Iowa, Caroline? In the southwest Iowa, southwest. around the, in Mills, Mills County. All right. Well, what about that mystery bird? You uh, you heard that thing there. What, well, do you, what do you say? I'm, I'm going to guess American White Pelican. Let me check the list again here, and you have uh, not only guessed... Whoa! <laughs> I love that. Ex- I love that excitement. All right, I'm oh, expecting you're going to get the dogs barking there any time now. But yeah, yeah, absolutely right, uh, Caroline. Thank you so much. American white pelican was the correct answer, and uh, if you'll stay on the line, Jesse will arrange to send you all that cool stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Caroline. There in Southwest Iowa with the American uh, white pelican as our mystery bird. We're out of time. What a surprise. Uh, We'll welcome next week special guest Laura Lee Thompson, who will tell us about the upcoming Space Coast Birding and Wildlife Festival happening in early February in Cape Canaveral, Florida. That's on our next show next week. Meanwhile, we are out of time for this morning's show. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, Special Assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown saying Happy New Year and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.